Hello and welcome to the Power of People Building podcast. My name is Mark Chaffee and I am your host. The Power of People Building celebrates the individuals that are building the future, providing a peek behind the curtain of some of the best-in-class TA teams that are creating high-performing tech orgs. This podcast explores the mindset, habits and strategies of individuals who consistently strive to break technical boundaries and build the teams that do so. If you're not learning, what's the point at the end of the day? And I think it comes back to this nature of you to be a change agent, right? You're looking for like, what's next? And I think that is what makes you a really special TA leader and why you've been so successful in all of your roles. You'll never manage two people the same in in terms of just like motivations. Multiple people motivated by money, but they'll be motivated by money for completely different reasons. So you're always looking to find what makes that person drive. And once you find that, you can really push someone on. I think a great leader in any function exhibits two of the things you've touched on there, right? Which is hire people better than you. It's like the ultimate cheat code I've learned over the years. At the same time, big believer and you don't progress if you don't go out of your comfort zone. So if I didn't take this, I'd regret it. If I took it and I thought this is not me or I don't like this this level, you, you can revert back, right? You've always got that option. What advice would you give to other TA leaders listening to this that are interested in some of these communities but maybe haven't been a part of them so far? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Power of People Building podcast. Today I'm very excited to be joined by not only one of the UK's leading talent acquisition experts, but also a close friend and Leeds United fan, Sean Allen, who is the head of talent acquisition at The Very Group. And we might have some special appearances from Rocco and Buckley, Sean's dog and cat throughout. So keep an ear out for those. A little bit about Sean. Sean has over 15 years of experience in IT and digital recruitment, and he's a very skilled and knowledgeable head of TA. Some of his sector experiences include financial services, data analytics, broadcast media, consultancy, and obviously most recently retail and e-com at the world of Very Group. During his tenure at the Very Group, he's introduced the company to neurodiversity in business and onboarded them as a founding member, contributed to improving diversity and inclusion across their whole talent acquisition strategy, implementing an early careers talent strategy, including the launch of their very first career returners program in tech. So it's fair to say He's been busy. Born and bred in Yorkshire. He's a huge fan of Leeds United. It's the one thing that Sean and I don't agree on, uh, (laughs) but that's okay. And has an eclectic taste of hobbies and interests, including horror movies, tattoos, as if you're watching, I'm sure they'll make an appearance at some point, uh, and all things gardening, uh, which was a, a special lockdown subject that Sean and I discussed over many virtual drinks. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. Pleasure to be here. So a place I like to start with every guest is yeah. just to get a bit more colour in your background. And I think like many in the world of TA, you started in the world of agency recruitment. So I'd love to hear how you got into that world and when did you make that transition into in-house? It's a good question. I'm not going to say I fell into it because that's that's what we all say. And I've probably said many times before. Um, The real reason is I relocated to Leeds and I used to work in hospitality, sort of running a a hotel and and, and stuff. And I just really wanted a nine till five, if you can call it a nine till five. Um, And I managed to get an introduction to to someone who owns an agency through my mate's mum, who used to be a like exec level candidate um, and then had to learn all things recruitment, uh, 
to to get anywhere through that that process so that that's the reason and that's how i fell into i'd say fell into there you go um that's how i got into recruitment and then i lasted about three and a half years before i was like i'm shit at i'm really terrible sorry language there i'm really terrible at, at bd uh, I prefer the delivery side, I and mean, then uh, I took the move to go internal. Um, so yeah, so not that long, lasting three and a half years, is it compared to most people? Although that's the longest I last at a company, judging by my <laughs> my LinkedIn and my CV. So maybe it is a good thing. I think in twenty twenty three, a three and a half year tenure is pretty good, all things considered. I, I'd be pretty chuffed when we're getting. It smells amazing. So it might be a bit different. Yeah, <laughs> nobody needs to know that. We're all good. We're all good. Um, and then so on that journey to in-house, I think what's really interesting about your background is you haven't stuck in one type or one size of company. You know, you're at Sky building out their digital hub in Leeds, where I think you hired over 500 people into technology roles when Leeds wasn't the tech hub it is now back then, um, which I would love to learn a little bit about. And then you went over to, to BGSS, um, which obviously has you know big geographics presence across the UK and obviously more recently at the Very Group. What's it been like working in such a variety of industries throughout your in-house career? I think I think for me it keeps it interesting. I think it's it's quite easy, isn't it? When we're working as recruiters to just get into sort of almost a BAU state. And I guess I'm kind of a bit more project-based thinking in my head. So um going in and understanding a new industry, different ways they do things, trying to find ways to improve things. Um that's the interesting bit for me. So I went when I left agency, I went to Yorkshire Building Society and I was there for three and a half years. Uh, all went downhill on the the, the tenure after that one. Um, and then Sky was the next one. And, and that was really exciting because that was building a brand new hub in Leeds, transitioning a load of different tech teams from Austerly to Leeds. So that purely was sort of project based of we need to have these teams spun up by these dates with these skill sets. Um, and to your point, you know, you looked at, at Leeds a lot of your your big plays were kind of your your sky betting and gaming see william hills you know your big big um betting and gaming companies um so bringing a big brand but then disrupted sort of disrupted the market quite a lot at, at the same time so that made it um yeah it just made it more interesting i think and i think that's why i've sort of moved as a recruiter because you're doing the same role it could be the same money just a different environment and a different challenge that a company faces that keeps it interesting for me I did warn you we were going to go off script and you've already said something that's triggered me to go off script. So we're going off script. One thing that I've always admired about you in the five or so years I've known you now is this real hunger to look at things in this project by project lens. You know, I think that it's like you said, quite easy in, in TA to get stuck in kind of a BAU position where you know the hiring managers, you know the roles, you've got a good team and you just kind of deliver. I think you've always been a change agent inside the companies that you've worked in. And, and obviously more recently at the very group, there's a ton of things you've done for the first time, whether it be the neurodiversity in, in business piece, whether it be the early careers piece. What is it that, you know, motivates you around being that change agent inside companies and for TA leaders and professionals that are listening to this, how have you done it so successfully? You know, are you pushing on open doors? Are these driven by the company or actually are you going in and actually shaping some of these projects and if so yeah how do you pull that off how do you get that stakeholder buy I think it's different based on the different roles I've been in so I think as a recruiter there's a lot you can change with your stakeholders and hiring managers and improve at, uh, at ground level almost that, that you don't need sign off for it's just 
you know, market driven or looking at better ways to do things or looking at talent in in different ways. Um, and Sky was a, a good example of that, you know, hiring Ruby, that, as you can imagine, not a lot of pure Ruby developers uh, out there in the north or there were on the beach and we tried to poach um, everyone we could. So it was kind of like we need to either boot camp and cross skill or or go to Europe and, and you know, pre-Brexit days, this isn't it, go to Europe and, and, and hire people and relocate them. So I always look at it and go, what's our challenge and what's the way that we can take sometimes quick wins or or medium term wins with that and then i think the longer term gains is probably where i'm learning more at, at very where you're trying to link it back into the overall strategy and, and goals of what the company is trying to do so if the company is trying to get from a to c in in three years what part can we play to do that so it's not just a a reactive function that just puts buns on seats it's actually looking at everything a lot more strategically of, of how we do that and, and engaging all the right people, whether that's L and D, um, you know, exec, whoever, whoever it is, it's, it's finding that. So I always think there's a low hanging fruit when you go, go somewhere, what's take a look at it, what's not working, what can we change? And then um, the, the, the longer term ones are a bit harder because you might need certain buy-in or it might not be the right time to do something, but it's not forgetting that and keeping that on the agenda. If it's something you really believe needs to, needs to happen um but yeah otherwise it's a bit boring isn't it <laughs> i'm with you as somebody that's job changes every hour of each day i'm absolutely with you i, I <laughs> totally totally get it thank we were going to touch on later but i think it makes sense to, to kind of bridge to now if i fell into recruitment is the number one cliche the number yeah. one kind of buzzword or topic that i've heard of the last eight years of, of doing hacker job is how do we get talent acquisition represented at the top table in inverted commas? And I think you've already touched on this here around, you know, aligning to the strategic objectives of somebody like the very group when you've gone in there, you know, they want to do this over a three-year period. What are some of those strategic topics that you end up getting involved in? And is that the route to the top table? Are there other things that TA leaders should be doing to get this top table buy-in? I, th- I think for me, there's places, there's people I see and, and network with that, that you know, done this far better than I've done it today. Um, so I'm, I'm far from an expert and I'm on that sort of journey, you know, in, in my first head of role. But but for me, if you don't have TA at the, the top table, you're always going to be reactive. And then therefore, you're probably not going to have the right people in the right place at the, at the right time. So I, I think you really need to be aligned because if the business wants to deliver, um, you know, X by this time, what what talent does it need in is that permanent talent is that outsourced talent is that contract as a, a blend and then you can actually proactively go out and get that or um you know even going down to understanding um attrition project projections so if we're projecting this can we get it more granular so if we said we expect 10 percent in tech attrition next financial year for example you know well what what's that 10 percent made of because if we've not got the roles now we can start making sure we're talking to the right people and pipelining the right people so when that does come again we're not on the back foot and doing a pure reactive thing having a gap costing the business more um so i think without ta at the the top table you're always just going to be a reactive function and to me it's you're a service not a value add and i think ta really is a value add because come well you, you know you run your own company without people powering behind it you're not going to get anywhere are you so you know it's it's the most critical one of the most critical um, critical ingredients that you need is the right people with the right skills at the right time so it just makes it's common sense to me but not everyone sees that but we are seeing more cp you know 
more people get to like CPO level from different backgrounds now, aren't we, to what we used to see, um, you know, historically. So maybe that will change in the industry quicker than, than, uh, than it has done in the past. No, I totally, totally agree. I think one of the things that I enjoy the most about building and running HackerJob is at the end of the day, the companies like the very group that are using HackerJob to hire tech people, these tech people are then the ones that are fundamentally building the future. You know, if you think about all of the incredible innovation that we see, you know, the, the chat GPTs of the world that have captured our imagination over the last six months, I've never seen a product capture the imagination quite like that one has or did. Um, at the end of the day, that's just people behind that product, writing lines of code, designing that product, et cetera. And it's funny to me when you listen to CEOs speak, when you read um, you know, board reports or, or board updates or investor updates, how often they'll say talent is the most important thing to this company. Talent is the most important thing to the company. And at the end of the day, all a company is, is the output of the people that work there. But like you say, it's kind of ludicrous that there wouldn't then be talent acquisition at the top table shaping that people's strategy. And I think you're right. There has been a big evolution in the eight years I've been doing this, that you know, talent acquisition is seen as a far more strategic function. And I think the likes of Google and Facebook really helped pioneer that, you know, in the noughties. And, and I think people have slowly caught up, um, but it's still a long way to go. And I think one of the keys to really elevating talent acquisition is, is really making this a profession, you know, a career that we can all be proud of and not the career that everybody falls into. Um, so how do you think about that? You know, have you looked at, I don't know, apprenticeships, you know, as a way of getting people into your team or have you explored other areas that we can try and make and elevate talent acquisition as a profession? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. So my team where I am is really small. So um, I'm, I'm going to not say the wrong thing, but I, I end up sort of going for that SME in that, that area because I'll have one person on tech, one person on customer care, one person on retail and ops and so forth. So um, we, we are quite lean. Um, but at the same time, I think as teams scale, you know, there should be those those pathways. So I look at BGSS and, and had someone that was, was definitely performing a role above what, what we expected. So it's kind of looking at what's our current structure. It's really flat. How do we create pathways? What does that actually look like for each role? And what does that, that pathway look like? So you could take somebody who has no experience and bring them in and train them up and, and you'd have those clear um, clear measurables, guidelines, you know, uh, core development areas that you could work with those people on to get to that next to that next point. Whereas I think historically, you know, you, you go into recruitment and you're either a good recruiter or a bad recruiter, whether you've got a year's experience or 20 years experience, right? And it kind of falls flat or to progress, you have to go into management. But again, some of the companies you, you mentioned, you've got companies that really focus on just it's a pure saucer role and, and that's an art in itself isn't it I always I couldn't do that I couldn't do it in my heyday to be fair but those people that will find you that nugget from from the weirdest place you'll you'll ever think um that and that and that that you know that's a role in itself but I think historically it never used to be we kind of used to be that partner where it was like your partner the business and source and and do this um and, and we've still got that obviously um you know sort of the, the way we are at the moment but i think it is opening up more isn't it um but it'd be good to see more more people do schemes like we're doing tech for example and actually pull it into to, to ta um i know before i joined here we had a like a, a grad scheme that had a people arm to it so people would rotate around so you know it has been done here before um but yeah it's uh, certainly an opportunity isn't it 
Yeah, for sure. And like you say, as the role becomes more varied and more specialist, there's definitely opportunities to really develop that IC, that SME path that you discussed, right? Like the sourcing tools that are available to individuals now. It was funny, I was uh, chatting with a, a client last week, I won't name who, um, but they were laughing about how when they started their career in, in CA, they didn't even have LinkedIn. You know? <laughs> and imagine now trying to do this role without LinkedIn, right? And obviously there's a ton of other, you know, products and, and tools out there that have led to, you know, more specialist roles, like you say, like the, the real sourcing teams, et cetera. As you've gone on that journey, you kind of touched on the very group being your first head of role. Yeah. What's that learning curve been like for you as you've kind of elevated from an IC into leading teams, managing teams, and now being ahead of the function? Every day, I'm just, that learning curve is just getting steeper and steeper, Mark. I'm not, not going to lie. It's, I don't think there's a day where I'll I'll, I'll level. Um, I mean, I'd only done like a, a TA manager role for just shy three years before this. So it was kind of that strange why are they even talking to me oh I've got an interview why are they still talking to me I've got an offer what do I do um I remember talking to to a good friend of mine to 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 run through it you know to bounce off uh Dan Meyer who, who you know um so I could just get a sensible view on all my scrambling thoughts and it, and it was very much a it's a bigger role it's a new market and, and the market less so, but actually I'm responsible for everything. So I lose that tech comfort zone that I've had for the the, the 13 years before I came here. So it's like, God, I, I don't know what a buyer is. I don't, I don't know how you do volume hiring. Um, you know, I've helped out on calls in the past for when I was at YBS, but that's about it. Um, I don't know how a fulfillment center works and you ramp up for peak. Crikey, what's peak, right? Okay, so, um, you know, it's the first year was definitely a massive learning because you get to see that full life cycle. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's constant. Um, I think just from just everyday learning of of leading a team and, and trying to progress and develop myself and, and learn, it, it just doesn't stop. But... At the same time, big believer in you don't progress if you don't go out your comfort zone. So, you know, if I didn't take this, I'd regret it. If I took it and I thought this is not me or I don't like this this level, you, you can revert back, right? You've always got that opportunity, haven't you? But, um, but it's been good. Yeah, definitely greyer in the last two years than I was a 13 prior. But, you know, it's uh, it's good. Trust me, as somebody that's just gone bold and lost all my hair, I know just how much being on this steep learning curve impacts you. But no, <laughs> I'm absolutely, uh, I'm absolutely with you that uh, if you're not learning, what's the point at the end yeah. of the day? And I think it comes back to this nature of you to be a change agent, right? You're looking for like what's next, and I think that is what makes you a really special TA leader and why you've been so successful in all of your roles. And it's really interesting. You and I have only ever spent our lives discussing the world of tech, and I was speaking to one of the largest hotel. Uh, chains their head of TA last week and they were saying you know we're relatively new to hiring tech we've got to hire 100 tech people and everyone looks at me like 100 tech people that's gonna be really hard he's like Mark I do 60,000 temporary hires a year into these hotels I can't express how different these two worlds are yeah. um, which is fascinating because there are different challenges right that come with like you say that perfect source that goes and finds that amazing Scala engineer but it's how you build a really fair equitable hiring process that happens at scale that maybe these people attempt for peak season or whatever it may be and just a different market so you find like dealing with customer care where you love challenges there so you, you learn a lot don't you i think when i was a tech recruit you get stuck into that 
pure tech and and I just do tech and this is my world and you only talk to other tech recruiters because you all you know just in your little your little group um but then actually coming out of it like god there's so many similar things that you you start to see and and different buoyancy and where markets are good and not good so where tech might be all right actually custom care or or uh, you know finance might you know for example become more of a challenge so you, you're always kind of navigating something so i think i think coming from tech you've kind of that was just a constant thing so it's good because you're used to that um but i do think there's a lot you can learn and implement there's so much crossover whereas historically i'd have been like well tech's different well actually it's a different skill set but that's you know and, and the market might be slightly different but 90 percent of the time how to address a problem is a similar approach it's it's you know you're just doing sort of different roles or, or market of people you go into it's still humans hiring humans at the end of the exactly, day. Right? You know, it's still yeah. it's still how do we give an amazing candidate experience? So you mentioned you've now got a team at the very group, and something that I spend a lot of time thinking about is how do you build high performing teams? And you've obviously, you know, like I said, elevated on this journey from being an IC to now running the function. How do you think about enabling your team to do their roles to the best of their ability in challenging situations in difficult markets, etc.? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still learning. I think I'm, one thing I've done here, because we are so lean, is I've sort of hired SMEs in, in their market. So I learn more of them than they do of me. I think just generally, I would say that's a fair assessment. Um, and that's not just being modest. I think that's just, just facts. Um, I think for me, it's all about, I see my role as giving them the tools and environment to perform their role. And, and to develop and then that's me and remove blockers and that's me doing my job right is is making sure i i give them what they need um uh, what they need to deliver um essentially and that they're comfortable just bringing the whole selves to work and and the you know um i'm, I'm honestly just very fortunate my team are, are amazing um so so i'm very lucky in that but i think one thing i've tried to do is just embrace a bit more collaboration so i think when I joined and it's not a slight on, on how anything was before and unconscious I joined coming out of COVID as well. So it's a different environment for probably two years. Um, right. Everything, everyone was quiet. I do my area and, and that's it. And what we're trying to do now is cross pollinate a lot more and share ideas and, you know, look at things from a, how do we improve things in TA as a whole? Um, it's like last week we had an afternoon brainstorming whiteboards, no phones, no, um, uh, no laptops it was just you know post-it notes pens and and a whiteboard right um need to invest in better post-it notes next time because i kept falling off so it's just me being a, a cheap cheap yorkshire person um but th there's a there's a lot of that like just actually sharing more ideas and being more connected as a team but i've still still focused that i've got the smes you know for, for their business areas they know the market inside out they know um where best to find these people and then i'm there if if they need anything unblock anything help with help with challenges whatever that may be or do their admin you know like booking interviews i like to say i'm a glorified ad admin person um i'm just like oh you're really busy i can help with screens and, and book interviews and just send me the script so i know what i'm talking about but but generally that's what i put it down to uh, and we just try to have a very open uh a very open relationship as, as a team where you can just speak up if you're not happy with something say it i've tried to keep it as open as possible because i'm I'm far from perfect. So to get the best out of them, I need to know that they can come to me and tell me if I'm doing stuff that they don't like or what I can do better uh, as well. I think you're being a very humble Yorkshireman. So I'm going to speak for you when I say 
I think a great leader in any function exhibits two of the things you've touched on there, right? Which is hire people better than you. It's like the ultimate cheat code I've learned over the years. If you just hire people better than you, you suddenly look like a great manager or leader. I have all this wine doing, Mark, but I look good. So yeah. Exactly. This is what you said, right? This is what you said, you know, and, and I entirely agree with that approach. And also this growth mindset, right? This acknowledgement that you're always learning. Because if you can be vulnerable and say that I'm always learning as a leader, as a manager, then it gives your team to have that same mindset, right? And say, I'm always learning. And let's be honest, the, the world of, hiring and TA evolves, it changes, market conditions change, new technologies come out. And if we don't have that mindset of really being passionate about learning and getting better at our craft, we're going to become stagnant and there'll be better TA teams out there that will, you know, deliver better kind of experiences that will find the talent that is going to transform their organization. So I love it, man. And the top tip from Pete, our VP of product, is there is a specific way you have to peel the post-it note for it not to lose its stickiness. So we'll get Pete to record a TikTok because that's his favorite thing to do. And we'll get it into the show notes uh, because it's one of his big hobbies is how you make post-it notes not fall off a whiteboard. Classic product lesson. There you go. Even your cheap ones. The we'll UX team would have hated seeing the post-it notes I use. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. As we think about your team and we think about one of the roles that TA teams play in the business, often you are the ones that are communicating culture to candidates, right? You know, what is the culture at Very Group? What are the values that we stand for? How do you install that culture in your team when you're thinking about it from a leadership perspective and thinking about how do we make sure my team embodies what the Very Group's about? Blen, also in this idea of tech and different functions, you often have like a side culture. You know, there might be, you know, the way of working slightly different or the working pattern is slightly different. How has that evolved? How have you seen this impact of culture in your in your career? Yeah, I mean, I'm no culture expert, right? Um, I, I always think a company has has their culture, has their values, and and you know, and that's the core of of all of us, you know, at a company and you, you want to align. So I think first and foremost, I want to live by those. I want that collaborative environment, you know, I want to that innovative and growth mindset that we've talked about you know that real aptitude for learning and 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 sharing knowledge so we we kind of live that anyway so then when you're talking to candidates you can even if you just give an example of your experience because it's a classic candidate question isn't it tell me about your time at, at wherever you work right so then you you know you, you reel off your your time um which is really awkward when you just started someone you're like I mean it's great you know I've not done anything for a week but mandatory learning um <laughs> but then I, I think I think that's a really important point you make I think once you go especially somewhere like very because you've got large tech team you've got a, a huge customer care team you've got a retail team their cultures will differ slightly because of the the type of work um they they do so I think it's really important for the talent you know the talent team to understand their business areas have that time with the exec the leadership team um the hiring managers to really understand how their teams work overall and then you can actually talk with real context to about what they do and, and how they operate so you know it could be recruiting this role you know this is generally how we get together but actually this team might get together once a month in person to do this sort of team thing another team might be slightly different so I think it is important to learn that more granular piece but you're able to link it and give that overarching uh, company culture to make sure the candidate's still aligned otherwise you can start to to not miss sell, but probably 
not quote how it really is and and people who think they want that realize when they get in that it is a bit different um so that that's how i always encourage it and see it but to your point you've got to live it yourself haven't you this this um if, you, if you're not doing that then i think it's difficult for us to to sell anything to a candidate and or, or speak about it if we're not doing it entirely agree we earlier this year at hacker job evolved from values to operating principles because i really truly believe in values and culture i think it's such a powerful tool um but i think so many organizations kind of have them on the metaphorical wall of like this is what we stand for you know and you know it'd be a great example if a company claims that they're all obsessed about their customers and then deliver a terrible candidate experience it's like well that candidate could have been your customer maybe is your customer so i think that the opportunity to display your values and what, however you describe your culture throughout the interview process is a really interesting one for TA leaders, because that's the way that when you've got a really great candidate in the mix and maybe they get multiple offers at the end of the process, you know, it doesn't all just come down to money. You know, actually, if your organization, if your team has been able to deliver that outstanding experience that ties back to your values, that shows that you genuinely care, that you're not selling them the dream and on day one, they're going to massively regret their decision. It just creates a much higher performing TA team. And there's lots you can do. We, you know, we had a big company strategy day and there was a chance to listen to customer calls or meet customers, you know, and you could hear hear from them. So when you're thinking about doing something or spending a bit of budget, you're always thinking back to the, the customer like we should be doing and, and not going off in our, our own world. And, you know, in TA, you get a lot of, uh, a lot of questions, don't you, around what you're doing around DNI or um, what networks and support do you have? So we've done a thing where we have a stand-up every week. So we invite them to come along and talk about what they're doing and come back whenever they want if there's something to share. So actually we can quote more than just what's on the career site or what we can quickly load up and, and read internally. It's actually, oh no, actually we caught up with um, you know, the, the women at Very Network or the LGBTQ plus network. And, and this is kind of some of the stuff we've been doing or, or they're looking at. And I think that goes a long way because it actually shows there is you know one you are doing stuff as a, a company you can get involved if, if that's something you're passionate about but two you're not just giving the stock bluff answers that we all do when we don't really have an answer just give the generic answer kind of thing um so just trying to connect all of that it just gives us a better understanding which we can then articulate to the market so yeah those anecdotes can be so powerful just to, to drop in throughout the process final area i want to explore before we get into a, a little quick fire at the end you touched earlier about building more collaboration in your team, you know, having them go from silos to kind of cross-pollinating ideas, which I love. And I think something that you've been exceptional at throughout the time I've known you is really doing that across the industry. You know, you've not kept that cross-pollination of ideas to the teams and businesses you've worked in. You've been involved in various different communities um, over the time I've known you. How has those communities helped your career and what advice would you give to other TA leaders listening to this that are interested in some of these communities but maybe haven't been a part of them so far? It's a good question. I mean, they've been massive for me. Not only, I mean, one, they've been great in terms of uh, actual learning uh, and, and development piece, whether it was when I was a recruiter, moved into management or, or moved into to my head of role. There's always someone out there that's been there, done that, and and can share some some advice or sometimes just solidify what you're thinking and validate it. And you're like, okay, I was, you know, I was overthinking that. I was kind of on the right on the right track. So I I found the communities, you know, powerful. I think it's also we talk about elevating the industry. I think the only way to do that is if we all elevate. 
you know if you're one company elevating then you're not really elevating industry you're just doing your little bit for the people that see see your brand or, or see you so it doesn't really change anything and we see you know a, a mix of recruiter bashing and then people standing up for recruiters on on stuff like linkedin um and i think the the only way to to really progress ta to, to your point earlier as a as an actual you know we look at it as a career a lot of us now right uh, or have done <laughs> you know people been doing a lot longer it's been a career and it's evolved a lot um but I think that's the only way you 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 improve things is sharing what you've done, and you know you, you're not going to fix everything on your own, are you? And then the communities for me, just yeah, it's just been a great way to network, get to know people, and and it does help your career as much as we hate to admit it. You know, knowing people will will help you than if you're really good at what you do but hidden in the shadows. I think that visibility is important, and you know people might see you and go, God, that guy is not for me uh, or our company stay away which i won't take offense when people think that or they go oh that's the kind of guy we want he you know thinks a bit differently and might disrupt it over here and you know uh change the way we've been doing things that might have been quite traditional um so yeah i, th- I think they're huge i mean i've been fortunate to be part of dbr which is 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 now higher um but i was fortunate to be part of that for a good five or so years I got into the ro 100 don't ask me how um pure pure fluke because everyone in there is far more knowledgeable than i am so i just go in there with a big pad and go brilliant this is ace for me but rubbish for everyone else if i say anything um and then um the the talent community that, that myself and, and steve jacobs and james goddard and, and yes i have i've set up which is different and that's just all recruiters so again we talk about elevating recruitment we all kind of need to do it with the in-house agency rpo embedded and, and what we found is a lot of knowledge sharing and it's it's working quite quite well so far so yeah it's i don't know how you find it from your c you must have a, a ceo owner network or something you go into and, and chat to and similar. for sure I, I think peer learning is one of the most valuable learning elements you can ever do in any role and what i found so valuable is finding people that are just one stage or two stages of the journey you know further along than you so when we launched into the US 12 months ago, I wanted to go and speak to a ton of CEOs and founders from the UK that have done that. What are the mistakes that they made? What are the lessons that they learned? How can we apply that to our business? And I must give you and Steve and, and the, the team massive, massive kudos for the way you went around uh, the new community that you guys have built because I think for too long, there has been a stigma attached to agency recruiters and in-house recruiters and in-house recruiters are where the bad agency recruiters end up and, and this whole stigma... The reality is 80%, that's a stat I just made up, but would be my best guess, of in-house recruiters started as agency recruiters. Therefore, it's clearly a great breeding ground, a great training ground for people to go in-house. And there are still, and still is an absolute role for recruitment agencies to play in a really holistic TA strategy. And I think for too long, we've kept the group separate. A big shout out to Jamie Leonard and the team at Wreckfest for the first time this year. They had agency recruiters at Wreckfest too. And go through the last 12 months, there's been a challenge for whatever recruiter you are. You know, it's clearly not an easy moment right now. And, and I think it was a very brave decision for you guys to say, actually, we're going to open this up to anyone. Um, and I'm so glad to hear that there is that cross-pollination of ideas because I'm not surprised, you know, at the end of the day, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. And the more learnings, the the, the more insight we can share, the better. Yeah, I think you know, touch what it's gone well so far. And yeah, to Jamie and, and the gang at Wreckfest, you couldn't, you wouldn't tell that there was a, a blend there, would you? Because everyone was just 
great conversations, great talks, great engagement. It, it was fantastic. Definitely the event of the year. Love it every time. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Entirely agree. It's the one event that we spend big money on each year, and uh, it's the one event we'll continue to invest in. And now it's twice a year because we're in Nashville in two weeks' time to do it in the US, which I'm very excited about. But Sean, I'm conscious I've kept you for long enough. Normally, I just have one closing question, but I must ask you a different one that isn't on the sheet, so you have no idea what I'm about to ask you. What is your prediction for Leeds United this season? Are you going to bounce straight back up? You have been gutted of some of your best players. What is going to happen? Ooh, do you know what? No idea. I think I think anything above mid-table's a success, honestly, because we've just hemorrhaged about a whole squad. So the fact we're naming two keepers out of about six players on the bench says everything. Um, I just want them to get to the end of the window and then you kind of know where you're at and then you can kind of go, have we got a strong enough squad? I think we beat Ipswich at the weekend. He were a massively informed team, so I was worried about that game. I think bringing Cine back and Nonto, I think, and, and we've got Pirot now. We've actually got a proper goal scorer that's not injured, uh, Touchwood, doesn't attempt fate. Um, that, that front four looks absolutely brutal for the championship. So I'm like, if we can tighten up at the back and keep Cine and Nonto and, and add a few more players, I'd like to think we could push up to playoffs or above, but it's a brutal league, isn't it? You just, no, yeah, no clue. Totally. I think Nonto is key. If you can keep hold of him, that kid is special. He was special in the Premier League. I'm, I'm kind of shocked. It was a shame he lost Tyler Adams to Bournemouth, but I think Nonto is uh, a bit of a superstar. But I was going to say it, the Championship is probably the most entertaining sports league in the world. Any sport, any league, I'm going to put the Championship right up there. Maybe Champions League is, is also pretty special, but it's so competitive. It is unbelievable how competitive that league is. And uh, I think it how it's gone. Championship is the toughest league in the world. Premiership is the best league in the world. <laughs> it's just getting out of the championship to the premiership. It's just horrible. If you're if, yeah. if you're a fan, if you're not a fan, it's brilliant. It's brilliant to watch. But yeah, if your team's in there, it's a horrible, it's a horrible league to be in. Now I've probably lost all of our non-football fan listeners to miss the best, most consistent closing question that we ask every guest. So I apologize. Uh they will have to find out through their peers. What is the best piece of advice you have received in your career? Yeah, mine mine goes back to a chap called Sid Mansour, who was one of the owners of the agency I first worked at. And he told me that you'll never manage two people the same in in terms of just like motivations, right? So he always said you could have multiple people motivated by money, but they'll be motivated by money for completely different reasons. So you're always looking to find what makes that person tick and and drive. And once you find that, you can really push someone on. Um, and that, that was probably the best bit because as soon as I got into sort of leadership, uh, let's say management, but I like to call it leadership because management just sounds like micro-y and one-to-ones and no one likes that. Because um, we're all about autonomy and fulfilling potential and, and all the good stuff. It, it's so true. It's, you know, you could have three people wanting to get to the next level, but They'll, they'll want it for different reasons. They'll they'll get there in different ways. Um, so yeah, that's probably the best bit, and that stuck with me a long time. And you know me, my memory is terrible. So the fact I can remember that fifteen years later, um, I think is quite impressive. But yeah, and I think you've been incredibly humble throughout this episode. But I think that statement there is why you are such a good leader. Why you've progressed so quickly in the world of in-house TA, and why I'm very excited to watch your journey continue. Like you said, this is now a career. 
I'm sure we're both going to be doing this for the next decade and plus. Um, so it's going to be, yeah, fun to see how you evolve. But Sean, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, we could sit here and speak for hours and nerd out about these topics. And we have done that numerous times before. But we will let the listeners go. Um, where is the best place for people to follow up if they want to learn more? Should they just hit you up on LinkedIn? Are you a big tweeter? Anything you want to plug before you disappear? No, LinkedIn is the the best best spot. I'm kind of like, don't really go on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, even though I just can't bring myself to close my account. Um, but LinkedIn, or if you're in the recruitment people space, get into the talent community, Slack, always on Slack. So either of those is the best way, mate. Love that cheeky plug. Well, Sean, thank you very much. And we'll, we'll chat again soon. Nice one. Cheers, mate.